Welcome to Lessons from the Helpful Dead, where you'll learn the world is not what it seems and you are much more than you think you are. Here you'll learn about positive and reassuring messages from supposedly dead people whose main purpose is to help us. Find out what happens after we die, why we're here, how we got here, where we're going, and discover that you are really a powerful eternal spirit. I'm Dan McEnany. Today we'll start our new format where I read a selection from some of the Seth material and uh, make a few comments on it, then ask you to uh, do some thinking on your own. There are 20 or so books I could choose from. Today, uh, I'm going to skip around, of course, but today I'll start with uh, the first four pages of The Unknown Reality, Volume 2, and I'll read those now. This was session 705 uh, on June 24th, 1974. So here is uh, how Seth spoke through Jane Roberts. Let us begin this section with a brief discussion concerning evolution. For now, think of it as you usually do in a time context. It has been fashionable in the past to believe that each species was oriented selfishly toward its own survival, period. Each was seen in competition with all other species. In that framework, cooperation was simply a byproduct of a primary drive toward survival. One species might use another, for instance. Species were thought to change and mutants form because of a previous alteration in the environment to which any given species had to adjust or disappear. The motivating power was always projected outside of the individual. All of this presented a quite erroneous picture. Physically speaking, Earth itself has its own kind of gestalt consciousness. Gestalt incidentally means a degree of complexity. So each uh, Earth itself has its own kind of gestalt consciousness. If you must, then think of that Earth consciousness as grading upward in great slopes of awareness from relatively inert particles of dust and stone through the mineral, vegetable, and animal kingdoms. Even then, remember that those kingdoms are not so separate after all. Each one is highly related to each of the others. Nothing happens in one such kingdom that does not affect the others. A great, gracious cooperation exists between those seemingly separate systems, however. If you will remember that even atoms and molecules have consciousness, then it will be easier for you to understand there is indeed a certain kind of awareness that unites these kingdoms. In your terms, consciousness of self did not develop because of any exterior circumstances in which your species won out, so to speak. In fact, that consciousness of self in any person is dependent uh, on the constant miraculous cooperations that exist between the mineral, vegetable, and animal worlds. The inner intent always forms any exterior alteration. This applies on any scale you use. Consciousness forms the environment. The environment itself is conscious. Atoms and molecules themselves operate in their own fields of probabilities. In their own ways, they yearn toward all probable probable developments. When they form living creatures, they become a physical basis for species alteration. The body's adaptability is not simply an adjusting mechanism or quality. The cells have inner capabilities that you've not discovered. They contain within themselves memory of all the previous forms they've been a part of. I would like to make an aside here. 
In certain terms, you cannot destroy life by a nuclear disaster. You would, of course, destroy life as you know it, and in your terms, bring to an end, if the conditions were right or wrong, <clears throat> life forms with which you're familiar. In greater terms, however, a mutant life would emerge, mutant only by your standards, but life quite natural to itself. Now, to return to our main subject of the moment, the fact is that the so-called process of evolution is highly dependent upon the cooperative ten tendencies that are inherent in all properties of life and in all species. There's no transmigration of souls in which the entire personality of a person comes back as an animal. Yet in the physical framework, there is a constant intermixing so that the cells of a man or a woman may become the cells of a plant or an animal, and of course, vice versa. The cells that have been part of a human brain know this in their way. Those cells that now compose your own bodies have combined and discombined many times to form other portions of the natural env environment. The inner and yet physical transmigration of consciousness has always been extremely important and represents a natural method of communication uniting all species and all physical life. Inside all physical organisms, therefore, there is a thrust for development and change, even as there is also a pattern of stability within which such alterations can take place. Give us a moment. Historically, of course, you follow a one-line pattern of thought. So you see a picture in which fish left the ocean and became reptiles. From these, <clears throat> from these mammals eventually appeared, and apes, and men. That is, I admit, a simple statement. But it is the way most people think evolution occurred. The terms of, quote, progression are tricky. You never imagine the situation being reversed, for example. Few of you ever imagine a conscious reptilian man. It seems to you that the direction you took is the only direction that could have been taken. Give us a moment. You identify a highly evolved self-consciousness with your own species development and with your own kind of perceptive mechanisms. You apply these as rules or conditions whenever you examine any other kind of life. In your system of probabilities, there are no reptilian men or women, yet in other probabilities, they do exist. I mention this only to show you that the evolutionary system you recognize is but one such system. The physical basis rests latently within your own cellular structure. However, you think that evolution is finished. Its impetus, however, comes from within the nature of consciousness itself. It always has. In some quarters, it is fashionable these days to say that man's consciousness is now an element in a new kind of evolution. But that new consciousness has always been inherent. You are only now beginning to recognize its existence. Every consciousness is aware of itself as itself. Every uh, consciousness, then, is self-aware. It may not be self-aware in the same way you are. It may not reflect upon its own condition. On the other hand, it may have no need to. Give us a moment. So-called future developments of your species are now dependent upon your ideas and beliefs. This applies genetically in personal terms. For instance, if you believe that you can live to a healthy and happy old age, well into your 90s, then even in Western civilization you will do so. Your emotional intent and your belief 
will direct the functioning of your cells and bring out in them those properties and inherent abilities that will ensure such a condition. There are groups of people in isolated places who hold such beliefs, and in all such cases the body responds. The same applies to the race, or the species to be more exact. There is an inexhaustible creativity within the cells themselves that you're not using as a species because your beliefs lag so far behind your innate biological spirituality and wisdom. Your ideas are beginning to change, but unless you alter your framework, you'll continue to emphasize medical and technological manipulation, period. In isolated cases, this will show you some of the results possible on a physical basis alone. However, such techniques will not work in mass terms or allow you, say, to prolong effective, productive life unless you change your beliefs in other areas also and learn the inner dynamics of the psyche. You can think of the uh, psyche for now as a combination of the inner self and the big self that I've spoken of often. Continuing, it is true then that the cells do operate on the one hand apart from time and on the other with a firm basis in time so that the body's integrity as a time-space organism results. It is true that on a conscious level you do not as yet operate outside of time but are bound by it. When you learn to free yourselves from those dimensions to some extent, you are not simply duplicating or returning to some vaster condition, but adding a new element to that condition. The kind of self-awareness you have is unique, but all kinds are unique. Each triumph you make as an individual is reflected in your species and in its cellular knowledge. Give us a moment. In a way, you are all your own mutants, cre creatively altering cellular formations, period. When your fate seems dependent upon heredity, for example, then the transmission of ideas and beliefs operates. These give signals to the chromosomes. They cause miniature self-images, so to speak, that are mirrored in the cells. In many cases, these images can be altered but not with the technology that you have. Give us a moment over a one-minute pause. Basically, cellular comprehension straddles time. There is then a way of introducing new, that's in quotes, new genetic information to a so-called damaged cell in the present. This involves the manipulation of consciousness, basically, and not that of gadgets, as well as a time reversal principle. First, the undesirable information must be erased. It must be erased in the, quote, past, in your terms. Some but very few psychic healers do this automatically without realizing what they're doing. The body on its own performs this service often when it automatically writes certain conditions even though they were genetically imprinted. The imprints become regressive. In your terms, they fade into a probable series of events that do not physically affect you. End of dictation. So there you have Seth starting to talk about evolution, but then also 
including a discussion that involves time, survival of the fittest, the cooperation of the animal, vegetable, and mineral kingdoms, the fact that consciousness forms matter and not the other way around, as, of course, you already know from the Invisibles that spoke with Betty White, probabilities, which we've discussed in detail a number of times, plus about uh, probabilities for the atoms and the molecules and the cells themselves. Uh, then the talking about uh, not only probabilities, but the memory uh, of the atoms, molecules, and cells, remembering everything they've been a part of. It talks about nuclear disaster, uh, who decides what mutant life is, right? It talks about reptilian man and woman, um, and of course, uh, mentions that the ego, where we decided to reflect on our own consciousness, um, that's when the ego consciousness developed. And that's just ours, but there's plenty of other consciousnesses. And then he talks about future development of the species. And um, he talks about cell comprehension straddling time, uh, meaning that the um, cells themselves, through the, the fact that they are aware of past and future probabilities, can help and actually are essential to the healing of uh, many diseases. Let's take a moment to look at those subjects. First of all, time. Well, we know from previous discussions that we as spirits are outside of time, but when we decide to enter into the human time-space illusion, we agree that there is time, and indeed for us, it is very real. Now, as far as uh, survival of the fittest, the... Uh, Opposite of that, and maybe not the opposite, but a different uh, concept, would be great cooperation between all of the uh, kingdoms. And of course, we know that we're dependent upon plant life and animal life in order to uh, stay alive. So there we have a great cooperation. And you might remember the discussion of the invisibles when they explained that... Uh, for every species, there is a frequency. For everything that exists, there is a frequency outside of our material world that when that frequency enters our material world, it slows down dramatically. Right? And so that matter is an arrested frequency. And that's quite important to understanding an alternative explanation to our various species, that they all exist at once outside in the world of consciousness at a certain frequency, and instead of developing one from the other, they all exist at once. Now, we've also spoken in depth about how consciousness forms matter. It's not the other way around, so I won't repeat all of that. It's interesting, though, that when we talk about probabilities, we think about uh, probabilities that we might experience as people. So we have yourself walking down one street instead of another street or deciding on one occupation instead of another. But it's another thing to think about probabilities as they relate to the atoms and the molecules and the cells, and how all of them are aware of all the possible probabilities, and they're also aware of past and future, uh, so that their consciousness, their awareness, uh, really helps us a lot in terms of possibly uh, repairing the body, for example. Now, the next subject, which is uh, nuclear disasters, that to me that's interesting because right now uh, we hear on the uh, media that we are very close to a possible nuclear disaster. 
and uh, people assume, okay, that's the end of the world. Well, yeah, it's the end of the world as we know it, if there's a nuclear disaster, but you know what? We, as eternal, powerful spirits, we go on. We go on in whatever other probabilities and whatever other forms we are. Uh, but you might also consider a new idea that Seth introduced here, and that is some form of mutant life continuing right here. Not life like you and me, but some kind of mutant life, which is totally different from us, something we might not even imagine. So you might give some thought to what kind of mutant life you think might exist in the event that we do have that nuclear disaster. And don't worry, we as spirits, we will continue to exist. We'll just exist outside of the human time-space uh, illusion framework that we've chosen to uh, enter here. The concept of uh, reptilian men and women I thought was very interesting. Uh, I remind you of the movie The Planet of the Apes. Um, but also, uh, you might remember, Seth had uh, described past civilizations and alternate civilizations where, uh, let's say, the major, uh, the major intellect and the major intelligence was in the birds, uh, not in us humans. And it's easy enough for me to imagine that the, uh, the gorillas uh, that live in the mountains with their penetrating, thoughtful eyes and so forth, uh, that there must be uh, civilizations that exist where they are the dominant species and the most intelligent. And the last point I'll ask you to think about is the, the uh, contention on Seth's part that the future development of the species is dependent upon the beliefs and thoughts and expectations of each of us, each one of us. Right? And that would include, of course, our values too. But our values, our beliefs, our thoughts, each individual uh, contributes to the overall consciousness that will ultimately determine what kind of existence we will have, what kind of mutants we will be, right? since we'll turn into something. And as you know, as I've mentioned in uh, past sessions, we as a species have the potential to become a species that is by magnitudes of order uh, greater than what we are now, especially in terms of realizing that we actually create what we experience. And we are not helpless souls at the mercy of the exterior events that seem to happen to us. So if you like, you can devote some time to thinking and imagining uh, what might be as, as it respects any of these concepts that were brought up in just these four pages. All right. Um, again, I'm Dan McEnany bringing you lessons from the helpful dead.